Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. Wherever you are in your life journey, no matter where you live in the world, the experience of change seems to be a through line that, in fact, remains constant. How do you navigate the unknown spaces that are intrinsic to being a conscious human? So I invite you to take a few breaths and settle in for my conversation with today's guest, which will surely spark new possibilities for you for being fully alive. I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio and CEO and founder of the Baca Institute. Head there to discover your quantum connection with your inner guidance by taking the quantum connection quiz. We are each designed to connect differently with the universal field, with source. And knowing your own way of doing that is the first step of aligning with your inner guidance at a deeper level than you ever thought you could. It's the secret to having abundant flow in your business and your personal life. My guest today is Deborah Eden Toll, who is the author of the forthcoming book, Luminous Darkness, An Engaged Buddhist Approach to Embracing the Unknown, a resonant call to explore the darkness in life, in nature, and in consciousness, including difficult emotions like uncertainty, grief, fear, and xenophobia, through teachings, embodied meditations, and mindful inquiry that provide us with a powerful path to healing. As a Zen meditation and mindfulness teacher, author, activist, and sustainability educator, Eden teaches the integration of compassionate awareness into every aspect of our lives. She offers retreats, online courses, and consultations internationally. Welcome, Eden. I am really, I was telling my husband earlier how much I was looking forward to my conversation with you today and and, uh, to having you as a guest here on Wisdom Talk Radio. Thank you, Lori. Thank you for that warm welcome. And I feel deeply touched to be here with you today. Mm. So now your book has not come out, right? Well, probably by the time this airs, it will be out. So people can actually purchase it. September 27th, available for pre-order already. Okay, perfect. So you wrote a book about luminous darkness. Let's start us off perhaps with you sharing why, you know, why you felt moved to to write this. What was your own journey to to bring you to this? Thank you. Yeah, I began probably back in 2018, receiving very powerful messages and instructions from the consciousness of darkness from the darkness of the night began bringing more awareness to the interplay of dark and light within my own meditation practice and life. And I'll share that my lived practice weaves together Buddhism, 
engaged Buddhism, and shamanism, animism, a real felt sense of the aliveness of everything from the trees we connect with in nature to the invisible, such as darkness itself. And as I began to listen to these messages, because at first my sense was, well, I don't want to write a book about darkness. <laughs> I've got plenty of other things on my plate. And um, I'm a deep and intense human, but that sounds like quite <laughs> a potent topic. And yet, as I opened and surrendered more to the idea, I certainly became clear that darkness has been my greatest spiritual teacher in life as a woman, as a environmentalist and social justice activist throughout life as someone who has um, experienced often the liminal space between the worlds, as someone who's navigated my own um, experience of chronic illness and I became more open to the recognition that in today's world, Darkness offers such powerful medicine for all of us as we navigate continually intense and uncertain times. Just the simple invitation, though this book speaks to it on many levels, to invite people to learn how to befriend the night, mm -hmm. how to revere and respect and open to the wisdom of, we might say, the physical and symbolic night because mm -hmm. that's something we are all experiencing and that's an invaluable part of human life that for so long and in so many um certainly in the dominant paradigm gets mm -hmm. pushed away let's go for light over dark <laughs> let's try to get to the light and away <laughs> from the dark mm -hmm. so so much affirmation came in once i made the choice to go ahead and keep listening deeply and let this book write itself through me yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and given everything that is going on in the world today and no matter when this airs no matter what day it seems to me there is something else that's coming forward that is calling us to, to pay attention, to pay attention in a very different way than perhaps we have been either able or willing to do to date. Yes, and even just using that as a metaphor, physically, at night, in the dark, or when we close our eyes, there's a way that all of our other senses become more open and attuned. And this age of global uncertainty of so much change and so much disruption is certainly an invitation for all of us. If we want to navigate it wisely and also while in touch with our deep peace to become more and more attuned, to listen deeply, to really spend time being receptive <laughs> to mm -hmm. the emergence, the unfolding, rather than the popular alternative to spend a lot of time in our heads, pushing away emotions or trying to control life, which is clearly out of our control. It always is, but it's more evident now. So the basic invitation to pay attention in a much more subtle way and darkness being a teacher in that.
Mm-hmm. Now, the way in which you even speak about darkness is so different than how most people speak about it. And, and yet what you were um, saying in the beginning made me think about you know, the, the dark night of the soul, those, those moments in time when everything is called into question, you know, including and most basically who we are and what our place in the world is and what our, why we're here. Um, and, and I feel like um, when you talk about listening to ourselves at a deeper level, um, the journey that, that most people take from recognizing, oh, I'm more than my head. I'm more than my intellect, I'm more than how I've been trained. There's a, there is a powerful shift that has to happen. Can you speak to that? Sure. Yes. Um, So again, this time that we're experiencing collectively of navigating the unknown, the uncertainty, it's so relevant to every spiritual pathway of letting go of the familiar shore, the known, the Mm -hmm. fixed sense of identity or self as my thoughts, my emotions, who I thought I was. And we might say beginning to Uh, swim through a dark, mysterious ocean without yet knowing when we'll land at the next shore. And so, again, it's that in-between place, that place of actually being willing to turn towards the wisdom of not knowing, the wisdom of learning how to access a much deeper inner compass, which I consider the the seat of relational intelligence, our connectedness with all of life, instead of the little bubble of our heads Mm -hmm. and our conditioning giving us information. So the connection between the inner journey, the inner letting go. And yes, it's a dark night that everyone on the spiritual path experiences in letting go of small self or set identity and really allowing ourselves to expand into a much wider ground of being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's such a beautiful way to speak about it. I, I, I love what you were saying about the relational intelligence. I, I think of it and speak about it as creative intelligence. Mm. You know, really it's yeah. the life force. And, and my, my way of speaking about that in between place is calling it is the void. Yes. When something ends, something closes. And before we know who we are next or who we're becoming, before we know what is wanting to speak through us or be created through us, yeah. we are in that place where it's it seems dark. And yet it, it's for me, it's like it's dark and it's not dark. It's just it's the unknown. And it's almost as if we could say there's nothing there even though it's yes. yes and thank you for using the language void and this is often used in buddhism as well mm-hmm. from the dominant paradigm or before we've had the experience of it there can be a sense that the void is an empty therefore lonely place mm-hmm. uh, we can have a sense that darkness is the absence of light that's how most people actually define it on some mm-hmm. level and that emptiness is the absence of something but i'm really inviting people in this book to question if darkness were not the absence of something 
what is it actually the presence of, the experience mm. of? And in my experience, and I'm sure you can relate, it's an incredibly fertile emptiness. It's the place of all possibility. It's the place of the unformed, the invisible, uh, the place from which all of life and light arises. Every insight, all creativity, all possibility arises from. And yet we're so conditioned to want to push that away and hold on to what we can see and to what's already formed, but to invite people to spend more time and ultimately to learn lovingly to surrender to that incredibly fertile void. I I find everything in me rising up um, in celebration, really. I mean, that's what it feels like in celebration of your words, of what, and, and the energy behind your words, which is inviting all of us to, to enter into that relationship because that's where that's where our genius lies that's where we're so worried about all the the problems that surround us but this is to me seems to be how we come to any solution how we come to any real next step how we come to create what's possible Yes, I'm with you. It's how we make room. We get out of the way enough that we can receive deeper guidance and we can receive uh, a sense of how to collaborate. And again, a sense of um, how to be with, how to make room for the fullness of everything that's going on. I just want to make the point and remind people listening that when we are thinking of darkness as the absence of light, And when we're holding in our mind that duality, that dark is bad, and I'm trying to get to the light, and that, in fact, is what many people think is the goal of spiritual practice, Mm -hmm. Um, there's so much energy that gets um, lost in that pushing away everything that we deem dark, whether it's internally shadows that we might not recognize or actually the source of tremendous power when we embrace them to ways we perhaps judge others or entire groups of people mm-hmm. based on something that we deem dark. It's astounding how much human energy has gone into <laughs> pushing away yeah. through that duality. And I'm really encouraging people to look at that historically and personally and collectively in this moment and how much energy and life force and in fact joie de vie there is when we let that habit go (laughs) i think you mean all of this in a different way than i have heard people speak to i have i characteristically of me i'm not drawn to shadow to dark to whatever i'm also not drawn to spiritual bypassing um and so you, as I hear you, as I listen to you, as I feel your words, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying to be different than mm, what I think many people even mean about shadow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like you are talking about the fullness of life, certainly. Mm-hmm. You're also not speaking in a metaphor. You know, because I work so much with energy, I'm hearing that you really have a message about how we work with our own energy. And, and the collective life energy, like the collective consciousness. Yes, yes. And I'll share hearing what you just voiced. 
this beautiful quote from the Kashmir Shaivist tradition, there is no darkness within, only light unseen. And it is my personal experience and in what I've witnessed of guiding so many people over the decades that it's that motion of learning to turn towards rather than away from everything with love, which means the light, the dark, the full spectrum, that we affirm and stabilize our knowing that who we are is love, is this light unseen, that that force within us is available in every moment. But if we're practicing turning away, um, we don't get to find that out. Mm-hmm. end up instead affirming a sense of duality and fear yeah and separation separation it's so so attuned to in these in these times of how much how much separation there is in the world and that there is that turning towards and i love how you speak to that how you use that phrasing the turning towards what is not because we're here to suffer but because if something is, how can we, how can we receive its gift? Yes. Yes. And, and again, because <laughs> the turning away in my experience, um, it doesn't allow us to recognize who we really are. Each and every one of us is made of a love that is steadfast, that is stable, even if we forget that, mm-hmm. that is vast, that is inclusive, that does mm-hmm. not like this and dislike that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so to act more from that place. And on one very practical level, if it's new for people to be practicing, well, what does it mean to turn towards that which I might normally want to push away or push down or not see? Um, it helps us to develop our discomfort resiliency and to really learn how we can, especially in these wild times, Mm -hmm. be with discomfort within ourselves, be with discomfort in our communities so that we can have important and valuable conversations so that we can help one another to metabolize some of the um, historical, passed down, ancestral, and personal pain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the importance of discomfort resiliency in all of this, yeah? Yeah, that's brilliant. Discomfort resiliency. Hmm. So how do we, I'd love to get a little practical even, you know, how do we do that? How do we bring this into, into our community? Normally I'm asking people about, you know, how do we bring this into our own lives? And I, and I want to go there, but right in this moment, you're speaking to that larger picture of how, how do we bring this to our communities? How do we tap into that which feels essential mm-hmm. for our world today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful question. And there's so many ways I could answer that. Um, the first thing that's arising is, I'll just remind people listening that when we really look at what the consciousness of darkness is, uh, so in nature, Um, within our human experience, we can recognize that 
darkness is different than light in that it represents more the yin, slow, restorative energy of life, while light tends to represent more the bright, the young, the active. You with me so mm-hmm. far? The sunflower is blooming up into the sky. You've got it. And so while there can be a celebration of the sunflower and of springtime over, let's say, the dormancy of wintertime, mm-hmm. um, when any one of us is willing to embrace that full spectrum in ourselves to recognize the beauty and the rightness of being of the full spectrum, there's a way that we can show up in community or in our family or in relationships, really, really recognizing the power of receptivity. And so I'll speak for a moment to in these wild times, for instance, just the potent medicine of being willing to be a listening presence, a presence that compassionately witnesses and takes in those you're with a presence that can invite the energy of more of a slowing down can invite others into the pause bringing that in while we're all going through this together and simply bringing that in in a world that seems to be so dominated by bright lights speed Mm -hmm. gotta do something gotta fix something gotta uh, think 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 about what's going on in our world rather than feel be with make space for in my heart so I hope you can sense through my words, just pointing to the power of receptivity and modeling that in our communities as one way to invite others um, to experience in my book what I talk about as the value of endarkenment alongside enlightenment. Mm. I'll just add one more thing that I talk in the book about how there is such a focus on light as the lamp of knowledge and a sense of wanting to get to understanding, focus on rational mind, labeling and assessing life. So again, the darkness, that endarkenment, bringing us down more into our bodies, into the receptive presence, into a willingness to open our hearts to the full spectrum. Oh, there's there's so much of what you just said, uh, you know, and, and there's and there's things coming to me as you're speaking. And it's like, oh, can I hold on to that for a moment? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so curious what's arising. Well, um, take your time. I know you speak a lot about and you just did now about receptivity. And and I'm thinking about that in relationship to to receiving and the way in which, um, well, I also, I want to make a parallel between that and being active and passive. And it's a different dimension than receptivity or action. Yes. Um, I like to say that in, in the teaching, in the meditation teaching that I do, it's, it's called Torea Meditation, that I say it's an active experience. You may be sitting completely quietly, but there's an activity, there's an active receiving. And it's that engagement with with the quiet, with the I am open to receive. I'm not just here passive and, you know, do with me what you will. I am engaging as a co-creator in this action of receiving. 
beautiful. And I'll share, uh, there's many spiritual traditions that point to the purpose of meditation being the act of being, the act of being. And it's the act of being one with all of life, right? So when I talk about receptivity, receptivity is an action, but it's relational. It connects us to all of life. We can deep listen within and out in this state of connection rather than what I call shallow listening is when we're kind of stuck in the loop and my little head, my little bubble conversation, <laughs> separate from the life. I didn't hear what um, that person or what the cosmos is trying to say to me. <laughs> and so receptivity as a relational action is one way we can think of it. And just acknowledging how there's such an overfocus within the dominant paradigm on expression. And even with social media now being such a thing, mm -hmm. everyone expressing themselves, maybe without the balance of deep listening, mm -hmm. of receiving mm -hmm. another. And just about what you shared of meditation, I'll add that I love thinking of meditation as inviting the balance of conscious allowing that just being with and conscious protection, even the discipline it takes to show mm -hmm. up, to meditate, or to um, go beyond the limiting voices in our heads. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that reminded me of what you said. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. And I, I see that if we're to receive our own inner guidance, and for me, inner guidance is is far more than intuition or a gut instinct. It's more a refinement of all of that. It's our, to use the way you're speaking about it, it's our relational connection with this universe. So as, as we receive our inner guidance, then naturally in the right timing, there is a time where we come to having to express where there's something to create. It's like the, the coming full circle with it. But without that, that time, and here's where we maybe can talk a little about endarkenment, um, without that time in, in the void, it's almost as if we have nothing new to say, nothing new to create, because we're just with what we've already known. Yes. And in fact, we're just with what we already think we know about ourselves. Um, we're uh, affirming a uh, fixed, limited sense of self at a time when life is certainly asking us all to show up as change agents in whatever way, shape, or form is true to our essence, mm -hmm. but to question and to be willing to spend time in that void that space of absolute possibility mm -hmm. and openness to see more clearly what's actually possible because what we've co-created together thus far humans uh could use a little improvement <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah. all possible it's all possible but that 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 particular um piece or aspect of life that we have denied. So I want to maybe use that as a bridge into speaking, having you speak a bit about endarkenment, because I have been finding that I'm so drawn 
to wanting to go to a dark sky place. Um, actually, I'm doing that in a couple of weeks. Um, that there's something about the nature of of the light that's coming through and through and from and in the darkness. Yes, and there are many spiritual traditions that uh, embark on darkness retreats, retreats in pure physical darkness. This mm-hmm. is part of my practice as well that I talk about in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but a way that similar to how on silent meditation retreat, the silence itself creates a backdrop that almost allows the conditioned voices in our head, perhaps at first, to become so loud that we finally get to see them clearly and see they are not me. They are not the heart of my being. I can rest in this well, the act mm-hmm. of being, capital B, uh, rest in shared presence mm-hmm. and understand that those voices are not me. Something similar happens, for instance, in physical darkness retreats where we get to, I would say, access our inner vision, uh, learn to see more clearly from the heart without the habitual domain of daylight and also all that daylight represents. Um, We have a lot of emphasis on who we are in the world, in the domain of day. We have a lot of artificial lights lighting up our planet right now. So darkness itself, just talking with a friend just the other day about early experiences in life of recognizing the wise teacher of darkness lying out at night with friends underneath the stars, Mm. knowing clearly and with certainty that the universe was so more vast than I could imagine. And yet that I was completely at home and held in it and experiences I had in the um, pure darkness as someone who loved spending time in the wilderness as I got older and things of that nature. And then moving to live at a Zen Buddhist monastery where, because we were off the grid, there was plenty of time at night <laughs> and in the dark. Right. So, um, has such medicine for us. Why are people so scared of the dark? Mm-hmm. What, what have we been taught culturally? And I don't, I, I suspect it's not true you know, completely across the world, but, you know, in in every culture, but why are we so afraid? Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. I write in the book about some of the messages that we have in the um, dominant paradigm, just Mm -hmm. light being good, light being safe, light being familiar, but also light equating to positivity, to um, basic human goodness, and then darkness having been equated actually falsely, because in nature, in consciousness, darkness is neutral, but having been equated with uh, negativity, danger, that which is sinister, that which is less than, so many bizarre uh, associations. And so I talk a little bit about in the book, go all the way back to uh, Zoroaster, the first religion that emerged for humans mm-hmm. that really had this system of right versus wrong, good versus bad. Uh, this duality was mm-hmm. and all the ways I invite people in the book, even through a writing exercise to just investigate compassionately 
the conditioned habit of hierarchical perception. If you simply, with compassion, mm-hmm. watch your own mind over a 24-hour period and notice how often that conditioned tendency to label good, bad, better, worse, right, wrong, mm-hmm. positive, negative. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. <laughs> it's all the judgment. Yes. And it's absolutely unnecessary. Uh, when we learn to see more clearly from the heart, which is one of the teachings of endarkenment, we understand experientially that there's a way to meet everything with um a compassionate welcome, a compassionate neutrality, free of that overlay of judgment. And that doesn't mean um, going along with or not condoning uh, that which is unjust, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. causing pain in our world. It's not at all like that. It's an in-the-moment experience of seeing from that place within our hearts that does not label everything through subject, object, higher, lower, better, worse. It's Mm -hmm. just not doing that. It's not doing that. (laughs) It's original consciousness. Ah, original consciousness. And to me, you know, you said that's part of the the practice of endarkenment. It's also the practice of enlightenment. You know, I mean, that that sounds like a duality right there of enlightenment and darkenment. And and I know that that's not where you are with it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just inviting people to recognize and to be curious about the ways that due to the intersubjective nature of conditioning, and that means that um, the fish can't always see the water in which the fish swims. Mm -hmm. Collective shared conditioning. If my neighbor shares it or uh, my family, I might not recognize it as conditioning, but even in our spiritual communities, uh, even in the modern day mindfulness and meditation movement, mm-hmm. even as we pursue enlightenment, which uh, changed and saved my life, the pursuit of enlightenment. But even mm-hmm. within that, there can be biases passed down that we might not recognize from really from a historical legacy of patriarchy, disconnect from nature, um, the Cartesian era, the mm-hmm. celebration of the rational mind uh, that we're not recognizing. Yeah. And so even within our pursuit of spirituality, we, we are having great conversation in one of the meditation groups I teach recently. There can be this trying to get to the light or trying to understand through right. uh, philosophizing mm-hmm. or trying to transcend rather than softening, surrendering, being fully with the dark and allowing ourselves to recognize the already existing mm-hmm. light within to, to recognize yeah. and to and to and to rec- yeah. well to recognize love thank you which, which goes beyond any duality which goes beyond everything You've got it. And then to learn how to act in the world from that love. So back to the early part of our conversation, if we're practicing turning away from everything we label in our minds dark, mm-hmm. uh, or don't we're, we're not using that as a moment to act from the love. That's actually mm-hmm. our nature. Yeah. Yes. It doesn't have preferences. Um, there's a wonderful quote that I read in the writing of this book. Um, Darkness is not dark to God. 
the night is as bright as the day. It's Barbara Brown Taylor. I hope I'm getting her name right. Cause isn't that an exquisite quote? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is. And there's something that you said um, that I read in your book. Um, the quality of our life experience is determined by our attention. And so if our attention is on what's wrong and right, that is the way we even view ourselves. And that's the way we treat ourselves. Yes. And we end up judging and policing ourselves, just like we end up judging and policing one another collectively. Mm -hmm. So um, the quality of our life experience is determined by the focus of our attention. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we're learning in meditation is how to bring our attention back here to the moment, to our actual experience, to our felt lived experience of interconnection of of shared being rather than have it be up here again akin to shallow listening caught in the bubble of separate self and my little stories everyone here with us everyone listening today knows that experience (laughs) yes and everyone has also at least tasted the other experience i'm pointing to yeah wow I mean, there's, there's, there's things I want to continue to ask and there's things I, I am so appreciating about your way of speaking about this and your way of sharing it, that it's so rich. Um, speak a little, if you will, just about your book and with it, with that invitation, because I have this strong invitation to want to say, get this book, read it, you know, do <laughs> experiences in it because this is where this is where change happens. This is where we get to open the doors to another way of being. Yes, yes. And I really wrote the book um, from my heart as an offering of service in a way that I thought would best support people's embodiment. So I offer inquiry and meditations and practices, practices of the subtle body, practices out in darkness, practices in nature that people can really uh, experience themselves and spend time integrating the teachings of the book. And I'll share that for me, part of the magic of writing a book, of course, is then letting go completely and trusting life to carry it into the hands of whoever needs its medicine. And I do believe this medicine of darkness is really needed in today's world. And I'll share that it's always fun for me to hear how it gets into different people's hands. And my last book, which was called Relational Mindfulness, a handbook for deepening our connection with ourselves, each other, our planet. I received a message just two days ago from someone in Hong Kong saying, we want to reach out to thank you in the midst of these dire times of what we're experiencing here in Hong Kong. Our community has translated uh, parts of your book, Relational Mindfulness, and we're gaining so much strength from it. And that's part of the beauty of a, a book that life carries it into yes. the hands of yeah. and we can't control it and so much of what yeah. you've talked about is is the going beyond control we, we try to control because we're scared and we think that change is threatening 
when you are certainly pointing the way beyond the control, beyond the fear, beyond to that place of really embracing this, this moment of unknown. Yes, yes. And I would share that these teachings on darkness, um, the luminous darkness, for me and in my life, um, have brought me so much joy, so much a sense of wholeness, rather than a kind of internal fracture I experienced once upon a time. Uh, so much joie de vie, so much courage, so much empowerment. And so I am, um, to go with the dark light metaphor, deeply lit up to share <laughs> this book with the world now at a time when there's um, a lot of um, collective darkness to be with. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a call. There's a call. And there's you a call. answered the call. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. How can people, how can people find you? You can find me through my website, which is my full name, DeborahEdenToll.com. And I'm also on social media. Um, my publisher recently invited to me to become a little more active on social media. So <laughs> while I have an internal introvert and extrovert, I turn everything that feels like a growth edge for me into a spiritual practice. So I'm really enjoying this these practice right now of showing up more in the way that is only and always authentic to me mm-hmm. on social media, also having conscious boundaries because we have to mm-hmm. an artificial light, but recognizing it is one way that we can connect with one mm-hmm. another consciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And, and, and I'll sh- go ahead. I'll just share that in 2023, actually starting the end of this year, I am offering also, um, a monthly endarkenment workshop, just a couple of hours exploring each of the different teachings in a long form over the year, as long as well as many retreats on the topic. Mm-hmm. So I hope people listening who feel called will reach out, will join me. Wonderful. And and the um, in the show notes will be the link to your website. Um, and, you know, your book will be out, I suspect, by the time people are listening to this. So. Well, thank you so much, Lori. I so enjoy your presence, uh, your voice, your expression. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Eden, it's yeah. been such a pleasure to have you as a guest here on Wisdom Talk Radio. Thank you, Lori. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for being with us here today at Wisdom Talk Radio. Join us here regularly for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination. Remember, you can find us always on your favorite place to listen to podcasts. And if you've enjoyed listening today, please do leave us a review, because when you do that, you help other people discover this same kind of wisdom, and you help people to transform the world. You're part of that transformation. And for more about deepening your connection with your inner guidance, take the Quantum Connection Quiz now. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, 
Our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook.